Well, good afternoon again. Good afternoon again. There we go, good. This is audience participation moment. It's the only time in the sermon you are asked to participate, but the first bit makes me feel comfortable and warm and happy all over. Well, uh, I've got to tell you, I am very excited about uh, this series, The Body of Christ. There's an awful lot of teaching uh, on it in the Bible, and it's all very relevant to us. It's all uh, very, uh, very important for us. And, and in the series, we're going to look at uh, how God gives us gifts to use in the church. We're going to look at that. We're going to look at how we stay united together as a church. Uh, we're going to look at suffering together as a church. But today we're going to start off by looking at what is the body of Christ? What do we mean when we say the body of Christ? What is that idea about? Um, how do we live together as the body of Christ? And what holds us together as the body of Christ? Uh, but first of all, we're going to read you a story. Story time. sitting comfortably. (laughs) Nose and hand were sitting in the church pews, talking. The morning service, led by ear and mouth, had just ended, and hand was telling Nose that he and his family had decided to look for a different church. Really? Nose responded to hand's news. Why? Oh, I don't know, hand said, looking down. He was usually slower to speak than the other members of the church body. I guess it's because the church doesn't have what Mrs. Hand and I are looking for. Well, what are you looking for in a church? Nose asked. The tone in which he spoke these words was sympathetic. But even as he was speaking them, he knew he would dismiss Hand's answer. If the Hands couldn't see that Nose and the rest of the leadership were pointing the church body in the right direction, the body could do without them. Hand had to think before answering. He and Mrs. Hand liked Pastor Mark and his family and Minister of Music's ear meant well. Well, I guess we're looking for a place where people are more like us, Hand stammered. We tried spending time with the legs, but we didn't connect with them. Next, we joined the small group for all the toes, but they just kept talking about socks and shoes and odours, and and that didn't really interest us. Nose looked at him with with genuine dismay. Aren't you glad they're concerned with odours? Well, sure, sure, but it's not for you. Then we attended the Sunday school for all your facial features. Do you remember? We we came for several Sundays a couple of months ago. It was great to have you, said Nose. Thank you, but, but everyone just wanted to talk and listen and smell and taste. It felt like Well, it felt like you never wanted to get to work and get your hands dirty. Anyway, Mrs. Hand and I were thinking about checking out that new church over on the east side. We hear they do a lot of clapping and hand-waving, which is closer to what we need right now. Hmm, they declared. I see what you mean. We'd hate to see you go, but I guess you've got to do what's good for you. At that moment, Mrs. Hand, who'd been caught up in another conversation turned back to join her husband and Nose. 
Sam's briefly explained what he and Nose had been talking about, after which Nose repeated the sadness that the prospect of losing the hand. But he again said that he understood, since it sounded like their needs weren't being met. Mrs. Hand nodded in agreement. She wanted to be polite, but truth be told, she wasn't sad to be leaving. Her husband had made just enough critical remarks about the church over the years that her heart had begun to reflect more. No, he'd never burst into an open tirade against the body. In fact, he usually apologised for being so negative, as he put it. But the little complaints that he let slip out here and there had had an effect. The small groups were a little brutish. The music was a little out of date. The programmes did seem a little thin. The teaching wasn't exactly to their liking. In the end, it was hard for the two of them to put their fingers on it. But they finally decided that the church wasn't for them. In addition to all that, Mrs. Han knew that their daughter, Pinky, was not comfortable with the youth group. Everyone was so different from her, and she felt out of joint. Mrs. Han then said something about how much she appreciated those in the leadership, but the conversation had already run on too long for those. Besides, her perfume made him want to sneeze. In fact, Mrs. Han, to the encouragement, repeated that he was sorry to hear of their departure, and then turned the boys away. He needed the hand. Anyway, they didn't need him. That's, uh, what do we call it, uh, a modern parable by a good brother called Jonathan Lehman. Uh, it challenges us, doesn't it? It challenges us with a lot of questions. Uh, and we're going to look at those in terms of the Bible, in terms of the Bible passage today. I don't know whether you relate to anyone in that passage. Bearing in mind what we've just heard, let's see what God what is going to do in that. So turn back to your, to your Bibles to, to uh, verse 12 of, of 1 Corinthians 12 there. Um, but let me just pray at this point. Father, I pray that uh, REC would know what it is to be the body of Christ. That we would see each other as being one, being physically one, being united as one through our relationship with our Saviour, Lord, Lord, I pray that we would see that we do need each other, that everyone is precious, everyone is necessary. Father, I pray that we would know the depths of love for each other, even in the middle of suffering, especially in the middle of suffering, that people would see the gospel in us, that we bear each other's burdens and rejoice together so that people would see God glorified in us. Amen. Let's look at our passage and let's get into the scripture. What's the context here? Well, um, 1 Corinthians was a letter written to a, a church in Greece called Corinth by two of the leaders of the early church. Uh, many people will remember that Paul wrote the letter, which he did, but it was also written by someone else whose name I always struggle to pronounce, but it's Sosthenes. Um, and it was the letter was written because the church in Corinth have asked a number of questions. They've asked a number of questions. We don't know what those questions were, but we can infer them from the answers that Paul gives us in the, in the letter. Uh, and it looks in chapter 12 like Paul's responding to a question that might have been something like, something like this, how come we don't all have the same gifts? Now that we're all Christians, how come we appear to still have some differences and how come we're not kind of like gelling together? 
probably phrase a bit differently to that, but it's something like that. And so Paul, and presumably Sosthenes, if I stop saying that in a minute, start answering the questions about gifts at the beginning of, of chapter 12. But then in verse 12, when we get to the part that Anna was reading, it's kind of they'll, they'll look back and they sort of go, well, hold on a minute, we need, to, we need to step back here, we need to take a moment. We need to answer the question about what's probably a deeper symptom. What's going on here is the Corinthians aren't seeing each other as being one body. They're not seeing each other as being all joined together as one unit. And folks, anytime you're hearing about a lack of unity in a church, or you're hearing about cliques, or, or people who are being treated as special, or not being special, then, then probably that church is not seeing itself as being the body of Christ. So what is the body of Christ we're talking about? Well, I'll slip into verse 12. Because the body is a unit, though it is all made all up of many parts. And though all its parts are many, they form one body. So at that point, Paul's talking about the physical body, the human body. Uh, he's going to go on and talk about um, other parts, but he's just starting off and saying, the body, your body is one. You know, you can't have, your arm isn't over there and your legs aren't over there and your head isn't outside and your eyes aren't in the back there somewhere. You're one body, you're in one place, you're all joined up together. Uh, it's a single entity. Uh, you've got one purpose. You're going in one direction. That's one direction, the direction, not one direction, the top line. Uh, we're living a life, and we're independent, we're, we're interdependent on all the bits. Uh, you know, the knee bone connected to the bus and all that. Um, but at the end of verse 2 there, it says, it says, and this is how it is with Christ. He's saying, Paul is saying the human body is an analogy for Christ and the church. And so we can say that uh, the body of Christ, as he's going to go on to say, is made up of many bits. In Ephesians chapter 1, it says this, And God placed all things under his, he's talking about Jesus there, under his feet, and appointed, so listen, he appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fulfills everything in every way. So the church is the body of Christ, and Christ is the head of that body. Well, hold on a minute. What's a church? As, as we're into the definition, as we're into the definition business, what's the church? We're using we use that word in different senses, don't we? Sometimes we say the church is the building, so we say this is a church. Uh, that's not what Paul is talking about here. He's talking about a bit of a Greek word here. He's talking about ecclesia, which is a group of people who've been called together, usually called from something into something. So, in that sense. The church is the people called together who are Christians. And sometimes we'll say, sometimes you'll hear people say, well, uh, the church means Christians everywhere and throughout time. That's a technical word. We say that's the, the, the church universal. Not talking about here, that here we're talking about a group of Christians gathered together in a local place. 
up says, Yovrim Evangelicalsu. This is a local church. This is the body of Christ, as Paul's talking about here. So we can say then that the body of Christ is the church and it's made up of a group of Christians. Well, who are the Christians? Hold on. As we're still in the definition round, let's uh, finish it off with another definition. Who are the Christians? Christians believe in the good news about Jesus Christ. And Ian was praying a bit of that and, and, and referring to some of it when he, in the psalm there, that Jesus came and he died to take our punishment for our sins. That God has demanded that our wrongdoings are punished, but that Jesus is going to take it and we will go free. Not because of who we are, but because of what he's done. It's a free gift. It's a free gift that comes from God's only son, Jesus Christ. And so Christians believe the good news and are consequent of it, try to live lives pleasing to God. But Paul also gives us some other clues as to say, well, how do we also know we're all connected up as one body? Let's keep going. Verse 13, what else does he say? He says, he says that, for we were all baptized by one spirit into one body. So, a couple of things here. The Christians are all baptized. We have one spirit, the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of us. And that doesn't matter, Paul goes on there and he says, that doesn't matter whether we're Jews or Greeks, slaves or free. So it doesn't matter... It doesn't matter about our culture, our ethnicity. It doesn't matter about the language we speak. It doesn't matter about whether we have no hair and wear glasses. It doesn't matter about whether we come from Sheffield or Rotherham. It doesn't matter about any of that. We're all one body. And you can tell that because we've been baptized and we've all got the Holy Spirit with us. Let's be... And I want to be very practical today when we talk about things. So let me be clear, there is no excuse. There is no reason. There is no way in which anyone who's a Christian is not in the body of Christ. Notice I say the word Christians there. And there's some of you here today who may not be Christians. We're glad you're here. We're really glad you're here with us this morning. There's nowhere else that we'd rather you be. And some of the stuff we're going to be talking to about here is going to be a very applicable to you and very useful to you. I think even, I hope even in this you see how there is something that is joining Christians together, how they share a DNA. Uh, they all have this Holy Spirit in that way. Um, but then there are some other things that we have in common that are not that straightaway Holy Spirit kind of thing. That happens over days and weeks as we become Christians. Um, and again, this is somewhere where I want to be really practical with us uh, as we're thinking about the body of Christ this morning. Um, one of the most important things a new Christian needs to do is to find a church. Or perhaps it's for someone who's moving location and they need to find a church. Perhaps, um, because remember, remember that Christianity is a team sport. You know, Christianity is a team sport. If you imagine, if you'd imagine me trying to take on the Rotherham Titans on my own, uh, the result would be messy, putting it mildly. Um, Christianity is a team sport. It's something we all do together. It's not something that we do on our own. Um, and so it's very important that we get plugged in with a church. Again, particularly if you move to somewhere new, 
a completely virtual demonstration as well. Let me share with you a few thoughts on that. Um, let's face it, Denise and I have had to do that fairly recently. And look where we ended up. We ended up here. So let, let me just try and share a few thoughts with you about perhaps some of the things we were thinking about based on the Bible, which might be of use for you. First of all, most importantly, find a church that preaches the gospel. Paul says in Galatians, I am astonished that you have so quickly deserted the one who called you to live, to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. A church should be preaching about how God is holy, about how the fact that we are sinners, about the fact that Christ died to pay for our sins, but that now our role is to repent and believe. Not taking anything away from that, but also not adding anything to it. They, they need to be preaching it, they need to be teaching it, they need to be living it, they need to be loving each other in light of that gospel. If not, don't go there, to be honest with you. Find another church. That is the most important and vital thing. When the pastor preaches, is the main point of the sermon the main point of the text? If so, that's good. I don't really want to hear about his favorite Christian song all the time. I don't really want to hear about what he had for breakfast. I don't want to hear about the Lord's Supper. I want to hear what he says in the Bible, and I want him to explain it to me. Now, does the church believe and act on what is in the Bible? Or does it just make up other stuff that it thinks, well, that's a good thing to do? That's kind of what's happening. Um, does the church know the difference between those two groups of people I talked about, Christians and non-Christians? Or does it try and fuzzy the difference? Does the church reach out to non-Christians with compassion and care and love and tell them about Jesus? Does the church have a proper membership process? Does it have a way in which people are brought into membership with the church? Do they celebrate having that, what we were talking about earlier, one spirit and one baptism? Something else here. Groucho Marx once said, I sent a club a wire stating, please accept my resignation. I do not want to belong to any club that will accept people like me as a member. There's a, there's a sense in which you do not want to be a part of a church that isn't prepared to take you to task if something's going wrong. Let me be clear. If you find me in any sin that, that I won't repent of, remove me from the membership. Let me cool my heels, sit at the back somewhere, listen to the preacher. It's the most loving thing that you can do for me. Look for a church that really teaches through its song, through its prayer, through its fellowship. Does the church have leaders who are qualified according to what the Bible says? Read, read passages like Titus and, and 1 Timothy and see how its leaders are described. Does, are the leaders described in that way? That's a long list of, of characteristics you might look for in a church. I think that they are good ones. I think they're based on the Bible. They're based on why we came here to the Roslyn Evangelical Church. And we're really just thankful to be able to come from there, to be able to travel wherever that is, 4,000 miles away, and come to a church and find those things, be able to listen to the church. Praise God. Praise God for that. But... Having now thought about what the body of Christ is and having looked to hopefully what it might be like to join one, what are we actually going to do together as a body? 
how are we going to live together? Let's go back to the text. Let's continue looking at verse 14. Verse 14. So the body is made, the, back to the analogy, the body is made of many parts. We've already said this. We were saying this again for emphasis. Um, and he's saying that then in verse 15, if the foot should say, I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it wouldn't suddenly stop being part of the body. We all have differences. You know, we all have, we're all different people, praise God. If everyone's the same, we'd all look like me. That'd be horrible. But, but so we're all different in different ways. We all have different gifts. Nobody, nobody should be in a position where they should say, I don't belong in the body of Christ. Nobody should be in a position where they say, I'm not good enough to belong. And we see this sometimes in churches, and Paul is clearly saying here, you know, talking about the, the different parts of the body, he's saying, just because we might feel culturally different or linguistically different, just because we might feel um, perhaps we're not as gifted as other people, that doesn't mean we do not belong. Don't let anyone tell you that you not you do not belong here. Whether you're Christians who are here as the body of Christ, whether you're visitors who are here, people who we love and we want to become part of the body of Christ, never let that be the case here. And and may we never, either consciously or unconsciously, perhaps through our more subtle actions, give anyone the sense that they are less than they are. We found a welcome here at RBC. We found it to be a warm and welcoming place. May everyone that comes here, we will pray, have the same kind of experience. But then Paul also outlines something where he's, he's getting into what looks like the same term, but it's actually slightly from Dyson it's a different way he's pointing out one of the reasons why unity matters it matters because we've all been given gifts and they're all different and we have to rely on each other because we've all been given those different gifts each person is vital everyone here has been given a gift and a purpose by God I don't know whether you recognize that or not. I don't know whether you've, you've accepted that or not. But if you're here and you've become a member of the church, um, you have been put here on purpose. You have been brought here by God. Your essential to us is my hand or my ear or my eye or my foot. And without you using those gifts, REC is not going to be what it's supposed to be. We're going to look more at gifts afterwards. But I challenge you that if, if you don't feel that you belong here or, or you don't feel you're, that you're not contributing, I'm here to tell you that you do belong. I'm here to say that you have something to offer us. I'm here to say that there's a contribution that you are supposed to make. And if you feel that there's nothing, nothing like that, I would love the opportunity to talk to you. And we're going to be talking a little more about gifts gifts next week and how that comes. But notice in verse 18, it is God that arranges the church. Jesus said, I will build my church. And so there's a, there's a number of implications from that. Um, it's not our job to be uh, 
fretting about church numbers and getting church numbers up. Remember, he is going to build our church. It's our job to be faithful in evangelism and in making disciples. How successful that is is going to be up to God. We're not going to get hung up on the, on the, on the numbers. Do not get hung up on whether or not when you share with your neighbor at an evangelism event or something like that, whether that's successful or not. That's up to God and his mercy. It's him who builds people. We've got to be faithful. We've got to be zealous. We've got to be passionate. We've got to be dedicated, but not worrying about that. But also, secondly, look out for who God is sending to the church. People come to the church. New people come to the church. And with them, they're bringing gifts. One of the ways in which God communicates with his church is by sending new people. And they bring, they bring gifts. And God's then saying, you need to take notice of this guy. You know, if you have lots of accountants turn up, if you have lots of, uh, uh, sorry, detox accountants, if you have lots of accountants turn up, uh, perhaps we're supposed to be offering debt counselling to people around us. If we have a lot of teachers turn up, perhaps we're supposed to be offering English as a second language to people around us. Uh, perhaps this is a number of people who are uh, struggling with uh, alcoholism and that sort of thing. Perhaps we should be starting an AA group. God is at work. God is at work all the time. He's at work sending us people. We need to be paying attention. Notice in verse 18, he sends people just as he wanted them to be. But the next, in the next piece of the application here, Paul addresses the, the opposite problem from people who think they're not contributing. Notice down here in verse 21 now. Nobody can say, I don't need you. Again, we're all necessary. We need to treat each other in that way, that we're all necessary. Members of the body of Christ who are perhaps more gifted, more talented, it's really important that they need to see and understand and act on the knowledge that they are no better than others in God's sight. There's no place for pride in this. There's no place for someone looking down on someone else. The Bible says God opposes the proud, but shows favour to the humble. Or Paul, again, the same guy who wrote this, wrote in another letter, wrote in Romans uh, chapter 12. He wrote this. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought. But rather think of yourselves with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, he has, he's saying that again, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace God has given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Again, not getting big enough with yourself and not getting all, all fluffed up with what you can do and that sort of thing. But again... Again, Paul continues to press on to us the, the practicalities and, and stuff that's going on. Look down into, into verse 22 as we continue today. Paul talks about the weaker parts of the body. The weaker parts of the body. 
Perhaps he's talking about people who are a little less confident. People who struggle with issues in, in particular situations. Paul's again reminding us here, these people are vital. They are vital to REC. They are vital to any local body of church. The world says we, we need to honour the wealthy people. We need to honour the educated. We need to honour the successful, yada, 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 yada. What God says is he's going to honour those other people. He's going to honour people in their weakness as the world sees it. Why? Why does God want to honour people who perhaps are working in immigrant places? God says, yes, you are incredibly special because you have the Holy Spirit in you, you bear my image, and I've given you gifts. And because of those people and their perceived weaknesses, in fact, God will be most glorified in them. When we see someone who is perhaps... Um, uh, not hugely talented in area and then still do something fantastic we go praise God there is God working in that area God says yes you are special God says look in the way I can work through you praise God for that fact that, that, that he appears in, in the weakness of others what, what an idea what an incredible idea but again Paul is still going. He's giving us more description about what it is to be the body of Christ. Look at verse 23. Paul says, Paul is talking about, very exciting, the parts that we think are less honourable, we speak, we treat with special honour. I don't want to be uh, crass or upsetting to you here, but, but what Paul is talking about when you look in Greek, it's Greek he's just talking about our sexual organs in that way. And don't think I'm being crass here. What he's saying is, those organs are vital to our body, but we are very modest with them. We, we cover them up. We protect them. Now, in the same way, he's saying there are some members in the church who need to be protected and cared for and looked after and given modesty and covered up and not pushed to the front, perhaps. They're just as vital. They're just as important. Remember, everyone has been put here by God. But again, we're all different. And some people are supposed to be perhaps in the background, supposed to be perhaps protected and covered. And that is the way God has arranged it. He's got to arrange it in that way. So that some of us can receive those, those honours, some of us who can receive that care in the church that we might get elsewhere. This is what we mean by loving each other, is loving those people in that way. Matthew 25, he says this in Matthew 25. Jesus is saying, talking about, Jesus will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Some of the least of these will be in our congregation. Some of the least of these will be in our body of Christ. We're supposed to love them and care for them and cherish them and protect them. And then to verse 25, so you can see that this is all done so as to have equal concern. Equal concern for each other. So not just for your mates, not just for everyone wanting to think, oh, I just want to hang out with people like me. Uh, people who think like I do, people who look like I do, people who sound like I do. This is why we call each other family. 
This is why we call each other, sometimes you'll hear us call each other brother and sister. We are family. We're concerned for each other in the way that a family is concerned for each other. Obviously, you, you know, you're concerned for your biological families, but the, the family of Christ, the body of Christ, is also a family. It's a precious thing. Um, you've perhaps heard this story from, from Denise I already. I, I apologize if you have. But back in Cayman, there's a lovely lady called Miss Heather. I've got to tell you that Miss Heather gave Ian Jones a very hard time when he came out to Cayman. I don't know whether he felt, we went around to, to Miss Heather's house, and, and I don't know whether he perhaps realized that this was basically a job interview for him, you know, but, but Miss Heather was very graciously and, and very um, genteely. She's, a, she's an older lady, I would guess in her mid-70s, something like that, was wanting to know where her children were going to. Because she thinks that Denise and I and all the other members in the congregation, because almost all of them are younger than she is, as her children. And so, in the same way that if your kid is going off to college, to university or something, you're going to go to the college, find out a bit about it. You know, what's it like? What's the accommodation like? In the same way, Ian was put through the ringer in a very gentle way by Miss Heather to say, you know, if you like, you know, is this a preacher who can really preach? Is he a pastor who has a pastor's heart? She was probably thinking about the list of things I said earlier on, actually. Um, when, she, when she went into... So she has no biological children of her own. She left Canada in her early 20s to be a missionary in Jamaica. Uh, and she left all the family behind in Prince Edward Island. She went to Jamaica and she started teaching in a school. After a few years there, she met uh, her husband... Uh, who already had three children, uh, and they moved to the Cayman Islands, and she brought up her stepchildren, but they were quite a bit older, so they left, I guess, quite early on. But she takes the role of being a spiritual mother to the younger people in the church. And it says that in the Bible, yeah? It says that, that older ladies spiritually mother the younger women in the church, and so she does that. So Miss Heather goes into hospital, for an operation about a year ago. And over the period of about two and a half days, about 25 people come and visit her. Every time is visiting time, people are coming in in shifts to, to sit down with her. So at any time, there's two or three people sitting with her. And because it's, and they're all from the church, and because it's quite a diverse church, they look like they're from all over the world, because they are from all over the world. And... And the nurses are saying, after sort of a couple of days, say to Miss Heather, who are all these people? Who are all these people who are coming to see you? And she's like, oh, these are my, these are my sons and daughters. No, but the, the, you can't have like, you know, 20 sons and daughters. No, they're my spiritual sons and daughters. And, and she was saying to me how... how um, for her, that was an object, actual lesson of the passage where it says, if you leave family for the sake of me, I will give you 1,600 fold in return. And she was saying, yeah, I've got more than that. I've received more than that in return for leaving my family behind 50 odd years ago in Prince Edward Island. She's lovely. She's my spiritual mom. 
liberty books. Um, we're going back in about four weeks' time. I'm already looking forward to seeing them and hanging out with them. Um, and that's what it should feel like. It should, you know, we are brothers and sisters. We are, we are all related together as families. It should feel like that. It should feel like we are that way. That is what the body of Christ is. Miss Heather is part of the body of Christ there uh, in the Caymanites. Now, bear in mind, so, you know, people may think, well, you know, what have you got to offer at the age of whatever Miss Heather is? I mean, you know, not being rude to the lady, she's just walked there a little bit. She has so much to offer. She is praying for everybody. She is encouraging everybody. Uh, to the younger women in the church, she is offering their, her, them advice and thoughts. You know, many times you will go there to find there's, there's a, a younger woman in the church sitting in the house, usually in some difficult situation. And, and Miss Heather's doing two things. She's giving them great wisdom. She's, she's taking them to the Bible. She's praying with them. And she's just loving them up. Because there are times when you just need a cuddle or loving up. And Miss Heather is the woman to be got. Um, so that's what the body of Christ is supposed to be. Verse 26, sort of related to that. If, if one part suffers, we all suffer. We all feel each other's pain. If, if there's a death of loved ones, if there's operation, suffering, difficulty, we all feel that. Our prayers should be filled not only with requests for ourselves, and there's nothing the matter with that, but also for our, our brothers and our sisters. We should be praying for each other, lifting each other up before the throne of God. And we're going to look at how we suffer together in a couple of weeks. But also the other way, if someone's honoured, everyone rejoices. Ben gets his grade 8 piano. We're all rejoicing. But to do that, we need to know about each other. We need to learn about each other. We need to get to know each other. I'm sure I don't know any of, any of you as, as well as I need to yet. But I want to share your burdens and rejoice with your triumphs. I want you to do the same with me so that we can share that, that joy or, or that suffering together. But that means I've got to be prepared to share my sorrows with you. I've got to be prepared to share my joy with you. I've got to be, I've got to be open enough for you to get to know me a little bit or, or quite a lot. Um, so that when you're praying and you pray for Ian, if Ian, because there's one of you, but maybe Ian's as well, um, you, you, you know what you're praying for. You're not just praying, oh. Uh, when I was a little boy um, and I learned to pray from my mum, uh, I said my prayers every night, and one of the things I prayed was, please make Ian a good boy. Uh, I have to say, my poor mum must have felt every time I prayed that, just like, in a good boy because of but 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 you know rather than praying this sort of generic very good prayer she wants to be in a position where you can say please pray for Ian because right now he's struggling with this thank you for what you've done in Ian's life because of this it's a good way to pray that's a great way to pray for each other and we should pray for each other um, I need to be much better at that I need to be much better at sharing with you will you help me to do that will you ask me questions will you get help me get to know me in that way I, I would absolutely you would um, 
Because unless you get to know me and I get to know you, unless we share with each other in that way, where there's someone who's probably not even going to think about this, they'll just think we're a social club or a, you know, a group of people who get together on a Sunday. If they can't see us loving each other in that way, then what are they going to think about us? What are they going to think about this gospel of the love that we proclaim? Um, and, and dare I say this? I think I dare, dare I say this, because we're Brits, we'll struggle a bit with, with that idea of sharing some of our burdens with us. Oh, no, I'm okay. Oh, particularly Yorkshire Brits. Sorry, Yorkshire. Oh, I'm all right. I'm all right. Champion. You ever see the full Monty? The film The Full Monty, where they're walking down the canal at the beginning of the film. And they're trying to steal a steel girder from out of the steelworks. And they're trying to get it across the canal. And so, so what they do is they, they put the steel girder onto a car that's floating in the middle or sits in the middle of the canal. They walk across the girder. The idea is they're going to pull the girder back across, push it the other way, and walk across to the other side. But of course, it's really heavy. So they pull the steel girder, ha girder halfway. It drops in the canal. So there's two of them standing on a car in the middle of the canal, wondering how to get out. And there's this chap walking with his dog along the towpath, walking past them. Now, if you're from Sheffield and, and from Yorkshire, you will recognise what I'm going to say now. So this guy goes, all right? And they go, yes. And he walks past. Yeah, no, obviously, obviously they're not all right. And no, obviously they should be saying, help, help me. I am standing on a car in the middle of the canal and I have no way to get to the other side. Please call someone. So he's like, no, all right. Uh, we have to do better than that. We, if we're going to, Galatians 6.1, if we're going to carry each other's burdens, we have to get over that pride of wanting to be a burden to someone. No, we are not being a burden. We are being a family. We're allowing someone to love us. How can I use my gifts to help you if you won't let them be helped? If you don't say you need help, how can I use my gifts to help you? I can't. So nobody sees that. Nobody sees that love. It's all right. So Paul makes it clear, verse 27, Paul makes it clear here, as if we hadn't already got the point. Verse 27, now you are the body of Christ. So think of you, the Corinthians, you by an obvious, you are the body of Christ. And then in verse 28, he goes on and starts to talk about all the different parts of the body. He talks about how God has put us into the church, and the different roles he's given people, and the gifts to be used in those roles. He's saying that he's saying that all those roles are necessary, and they're going to reflect the particular role God has for the church. So, so the way in which he brings us all together will, in part, define the direction we go as a church. Uh, and Paul lists out some of the positions there, um, talking about. Uh, apostles and prophets and teachers. Some of those things are a little interchangeable. Uh, and then he's talking about some of the gifts. Do we all work miracles? Do we have the gifts of healing? 
notice that plural beautiful healing that's sorry that's nature doing that yeah. um, do you all speak in tongues do we all interpret no obviously not we all have different gifts we're going to need to use them in different ways but but now look at this look at the end of verse 31 with me look at the end of verse 31 and you might have to in your bible look down into the next paragraph and, and, and this something to remember here is that is that the chapter numbers and the verse numbers are not in the original scripture these have been put in afterwards for so it's easier to read so they're not they are not divinely inspired, so they're not the word of God in that way. And this is a great example where perhaps it's not that helpful where they've put the, the chapter break in. Because, because what you've got is, in the first part of chapter 12, you've got Paul talking about gifts. And he breaks off and talks about the body of Christ. And then in chapter 13, he starts talking about love. And you'll recognise chapter 13 from at least 50% of the weddings you've ever been to. We'll look at that in a moment. But, but, but these aren't three things that are separate. This is all one coherent whole. Paul, Paul is saying gifts are helping to define the, the body of Christ and gifts are very important for the body of Christ. Well, back up, I don't know if you know what the body of Christ is. Let me tell you about the body of Christ. That's most of what we've talked about today. But then he's saying, then he says, what we see here in verse 31, there he says, and now I will show you the most excellent way. Yeah? So, and now, he's, he's referring to the stuff that's gone before. He's not just starting it off. And he then goes into chapter 13. And we just, Hannah just read to us the first verse there. It's a, it's a passage that some of you will be familiar with. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom da, 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 da. all the stuff he's talking about here is the same gifts and stuff that's in the back end of chapter 12 what he's saying is you can have all the gifts you want you can be as gifted as you want to you can be as plugged in as you want to you can be as much the body of Christ as you want to if you don't do it with love you ain't got anything if you don't do it with love you are wasting your time if you don't Look over those, we those uh, weaker parts of the body. If you don't consider yourself uh, equal, if you don't all do that in a sense of love, you're, you're wasting your time. It's, it's, just an, it's just an exercise. That is why he says it is the most excellent way. Yes, and uh, I mean, okay, I'm, you know, I'm pulling your leg a bit about chapter 13 always being at weddings. But that's, yeah. that stuff, yes, that stuff does apply to married couples. You know, it applies to different people and different relationships. It applies to, to how we do things in our work life. It applies to, to all kinds of ways. But the way Paul wrote it here is it particularly applies to the body of Christ. It particularly applies to how we relate to each other. Paul's saying, gifts are to be used with love. That's the goal and the foundation that the body of Christ is going to be built on. That gifts are suffused with love. Ian talked about this a few, a few weeks ago at a Wednesday night communion. Talking about the idea of love and the idea of love that underpins the church. What, what are we going to be like if we preach the gospel, if we teach, if we're unified in our ideas, 
we don't know each other. We're just one small town. So there's been a lot of practical application in there. But let me share with you perhaps um, a few thoughts that, that have come out of this passage, a few applications that, that maybe haven't been obvious or whatever. Um, doesn't this sound like an attractive thing? Don't, doesn't this sound like an attractive relationship to be in, to be in this body of Christ? If, if you're not a Christian and you're here today, I really pray that you can see uh, what the implications are for you of, of not being part of this body of Christ. You're missing out. You're missing out on this wonderful relationship, this wonderful encouraging. Don't we all want people to share our burdens with us? Don't we all want people to pray for us in that way and be with us in that way? If you are a Christian and you're here, but, but you're not a member of the church, the application is join one. That's it, pretty much. Um, you're going to find us to be hopefully a very warm and a welcoming church. Um, we're going to try our best to be the body of Christ with you. If you're not baptized, please get baptized. Uh, I'd hardly recommend it to you. Uh, that's the first step of, of, of coming into our membership process. But please, join our church. Join another church that describes those, kind of fits that bill of those, those things I read out earlier, certainly that preaches the gospel. But don't be a lone, a lone ranger, a lone ranger Christian. Hi-ho, Tom Terrell. No. As we said earlier, that doesn't work. It's you versus the Rotherham Titans. You lose. It's messy. Get on a team. Get a team with you so you can, you can play together. Um, what do you need? Sorry. Who do you need to love some more? in our congregation here? Who is it who, who you perhaps don't know that well, who you perhaps need to get to know better? Someone who, who would perhaps like to get to know you, but they're just waiting for you to come and say hi. Go say hi to them. Find out a bit about them. Find out how you can pray for them. Find out about what burdens they're carrying right now. Uh, and then be open when people come to you. You know, try and share with people what's on your heart and what you're struggling with and and what your burdens are, what you and not just the negative stuff, but the praise reports, the good things. Um, you know, what's going on in your life that's great that we can all celebrate together. And start thinking about, so this is your homework. Okay, you didn't know you got homework in church, did you? This is your homework. So next week we're going to be talking about the gifts. Start thinking about what gifts you have. Start thinking about what gifts you might want to use in the church. Think about what gifts um, you bring. Here's some more homework. Think about what gifts the other people in the congregation have. You know, sometimes sometimes uh, we see that someone has a gift and they just don't realise it. They just don't realise that they have um, a beautiful singing voice. They don't realise that. They, and you're standing next to them in church and you say, wow, they can really sing. You know, or, or um, you see someone uh, teaching in the craft. They've got a gift for teaching. So have a think about that and think about uh, for next week. There's your homework. Um, what you, what gifts you are and what gifts you see. I've, I've probably bombarded you with enough applications there. Um, but remember the story we read at the beginning. 
Do you feel like you're like your hands in that story? Feelings that perhaps you don't quite fit in? Look around you now. Look at the people in front of you. Look at the people next to you. See those church families around? See those people? Yeah, sorry, the people on the thing there, you're going to look behind you. Sorry. Uh, This is the body of Christ. These people are the body of Christ. Christ is the head, and we are all the body of Christ. We all belong. We all belong here. Yes, we might like some things or not like other things, but most of that stuff is just fluff. The important thing, though, we believe the gospel, we have the same spirit, we've been baptized into this one body. And that concept of loving people as one body is going to give us, should give us great joy. It's going to protect us against all kinds of things. It's going to protect us against all kinds of issues. It's going to make us a church who's more welcoming, who's more loving, more open. It's going to make us a a group of Christians who are more joyful. It's going to make us a group of Christians who love each other more. When we know each other better, we can love each other more. And that will be so, just so attractive to the world. In first book of uh, first letter of John, excuse me, it says this: "For this is the message you heard from the beginning. We should love one another." Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are the body of Christ. You have told us this, Lord. Help us to recognize that fact. Help us to. Plant that truth deep inside us. Help us to live with each other in such a way that it is clear to each other that we love each other. And it's clear to the, to the people around us that we love each other. Help people to see the richness of the gospel through the way in which we care for each other. Help people to see how big and good and glorious God is because of the way he uses imperfect people. And we are all imperfect. Lord, help us to be brothers and sisters to each other. Not just in name. Not just in some some way of ticking a box or something. but, But in a way where we really feel that we are our brothers and our sisters, and we love each other. Lord, help us to be the body of Christ. Help us to be the body of Christ here in Rotherham at this time. You have brought us all here, each and every one. Each one of us, you have brought here at this time and arranged there are no coincidences in this. No coincidences at all. This is your sovereign will being acted out right around us, right now. And we can see it. Help us to see that and to understand that. Help us to be the church you've called us to be. At this place, at this time. Amen.